1: welcome to your making it worse i'm elliot glazer i'm brent sullivan and i'm h alan scott we're
2: here we're queer Uh, textual Textual healing. healing um so just kind of a quick uh a, addendum to a discussion that we had a couple weeks ago this is obviously not a huge surprise but as we discussed a few weeks back uh landmark legislation carving out protections for same sex and interracial marriages passed uh the senate then the house and biden signed that legislation this week you probably with blood about that he signed it with <laughs> but he did he signed it with blood as it out. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, just again, just to kind of run through the details, uh, the new law officially voids the defense of marriage act, which defined marriage as between a man and a woman. It mandates that States honor the validity of out of state marriage licenses, including same sex and interracial unions. Um, so the interest so here's the interesting dynamic that I had forgotten about. I had remembered, you know, that Joe Biden very famously while giving an interview on meet the press back in 2011, Mm -hmm. Came out in support of gay marriage. He was fairly early on, yeah, in in the movement, and it was for p- political. Early. Yeah, it was definitely it was, but it was also earlier than Obama, and for for political wonks like myself and Alan, I remember there was a big hubbub because the Obama crew were really annoyed at Biden. It was,
1: it was a year before his reelection. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was not something you do to. I mean. I, yeah. I I I give Obama so much credit for actually embracing it, but like, it's not something you do before running for president again.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so he got a lot of. I mean, I remember like reading like like stories of like fallout where they weren't talking for a while and, and shit replaced, like that.
1: Like, like yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. They were mad, and but what interesting thing now though is that this uh, the New York Times article that I read was like he basically started the process of. He he tipped the hand mm. of Obama coming out in support of it because Obama had to at that point, and he did shortly thereafter. And then the entire Democratic caucus did within, I think, a year or two or whatever from that date, yeah. and and so it was basically Biden sort of sped the process up by having this famous gaffe on by me a to, couple of me years press, by a couple of years yes, because
1: I don't think the campaign. I mean, from what I've read. Maybe I'm I'm not sure, but uh, that oh, the Obama campaign did not intend on embracing it during the election. It was post-election, yeah. right?
2: I don't remember the specifics, but I yeah. I would not be surprised if they were still not ready to embrace yeah. gay marriage in 2012. I mean, it was a
1: huge, huge, huge deal. I remember at the time too when all of the avalanche, of course, Obama then started embracing same-sex marriage, and like all of the Democratic Party did, and when Hillary was running in 2000. 16, I guess there was a lot of people being like, well, Hillary didn't support it until 2013. (laughs) And every single time I heard that I wanted to be like, you are a dumb fuck. You don't understand history. Secretaries of state do not get involved in national politics until they leave being secretary of state. And what did she do the next day after leaving? She did it.
2: So it's also, by the way, I mean, I mean, if you've got a problem with people changing, first of all, the liberal movement, should be open and want to embrace people who change yeah. their minds. That yes. should be the part of any movement. Yes. Should be supportive of people who change their minds. Change course. their
1: minds in the right way. In the right like that, way. go forward in, yeah. in, in? in. I mean, even looking at at the defense of Mer- the 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 takedown of the Defense of Marriage Act, that was a that was a law that a Democratic president put in, in put in place. Bill Clinton in ninth and in the mid nineties. That's what he yeah. did to appease Republicans and. He agreed with it and the Democratic Party stood behind him yeah. in doing it. So hold all of them accountable because then they became, you know, a, they, they came around to the issue eventually.
2: Uh, so I actually did want it. So I did look up the vote for the defense. We're getting real in the weeds here, guys. <laughs> Not exactly the most thrilling discussion I've ever had in my life. But I did want to tell you a couple super famous liberals who did vote in support of the Defense of Marriage Act. Yeah. There was only something like twelve or thirteen Democrats that voted against it. This was back in '96, I believe. Yeah. And Patty Murray, who's a very liberal senator from Washington, Paul Wellstone, who was like infamously like this progressive candidate who ultimately ended up dying in a plane crash, yeah. uh, in two thousand one, and Bill Bradley, who ran for president against al gore in 2000 was also like famously a super liberal and they all three of them voted in in favor of doma so don't yeah. don't tell me and and someone who didn't was diane feinstein who liberals fucking hate now they're like i don't like her <laughs> i don't like diane feinstein
1: and also too the, the bernie sanders campaign put out that he famously did not vote for it but if you listen to his speech it was about states' rights, saying right. that marriage right. is a states' rights issue. And a lot of liberals back in the 90s, and this is what I hate about sort of gay politics in general, is that we don't look at the full picture. We only look at sort of the intent of what happened. So, like Bernie Sanders didn't vote for the Defense of Marriage Act. Great. That's ultimately a good vote. He should right. not. Yes, vote vote. of course, of course. But we should look at the reasoning. We can't call someone an advocate when they don't. When they aren't necessarily advocating for gay lives or queer lives, when they're saying, "Oh well, marriage is a states' rights issue, so let's leave the states doing." We know how well that's going with abortion right now. So, like, it's not a states' rights issue. Like, this yeah. should not be
3: that discussion. But yeah.
1: I don't know, Elliot. I mean,
2: Elliot how do you I'm glad I mean, everyone's back? How do you fall? Are you pro gay marriage or are you
3: anti? <laughs> I'm I'm pro gay marriage. I just remembered that my mom. I just remember very like distinctly that my mom really liked Bill Bradley.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a couple, uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if my parents did. I remember I had a couple friends, parents who like, I volunteered for him when he ran president.
1: Yeah. In, in, in high school. I remember, I think it was high school. I, uh, I volunteered for him because I really liked him and I didn't necessarily like Al Gore primarily because Al Gore was distancing himself from Bill Clinton. And I thought that was a mistake Mm because I was like, this dude, like him or hate him for his personal life he actually did a shit ton of good things for us with the exception of maybe the defense of Marriage act and it's like maybe don't maybe don't like shy away from him maybe embrace him and you'll do better and
2: y'all know how that worked out i I haven't seen bill bradley he hasn't he's not doing the late night circuit anymore is he i haven't seen that guy in a long time he's
1: very old now
2: (laughs) yeah i think so too i think (laughs) so too who won in 2000 who won that who won that election (laughs) Was that Al Gore? Gore, Howard Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Not even joking. We're here with- All right, (laughs) go ahead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're here with comedian Marsha Belsky. Marsha, you're coming to us from New York, where you are a thriving comedian. Thriving. uh, Thriving musical comedian as well. I think one of of few at this point. Um, Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. How does it feel I'm so excited thriving? to be here. How does it feel <laughs> to be thriving? Uh, you know what? I'll let you know when the checks come in because sometimes sometimes it, sometimes a while. it feels great and sometimes it takes a while, if you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, I so know what
1: you're I fully know what you're saying.
0: You all know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. So sometimes thriving feels amazing when sort of the money's in the account mm-hmm. and sometimes it feels it feels A little bit fake.
2: Yeah. yeah. A little a little artificial, a little hollow if the money is not in the account just yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Imposter syndrome sets in until the check clears. Until
0: the check clears. And then it's like, wait, where'd that money go? You've
3: got bone you've got bona fide uh shows and stuff under your belt. Um, you co-wrote two musical parodies, Fiddler on the Rooftop Bar and Handmaid's Tale, the musical. Uh, tell us a little bit about these creations of yours.
0: Yes, those were both dreams come true because I do like long term want to be a musical playwright. I'm working on an original musical. Um and things like that, because I love comedy musicals. I feel like when we were growing up, it was The Producers and then eventually Book of Mormon and Avenue Q and these are the type of musicals that I love. But I will say those musicals are very male, no offense, yeah. but they are. They do have a certain type of like oh, male humor yeah. to them, so I really like sort of Um, that was always my dream. And so it started with Handmaid's Tale, the musical (laughs) I wrote with, um, my friend, and this was right when Handmaid's Tale was like coming out on Hulu. I wrote with my friend, Melissa Rich. Mm -hmm. And, um, we were basically thinking like when you watch the show, it's kind of funny because first of all, the love interest, um, whose name is Nick is distractingly hot. So in our musical, we named him extremely hot Nick because it's sort of like, you know, it's a dystopia, but there's yeah. sort of undeniably ice. Everyone's be still there. really good
2: looking. <laughs> of course. Do you, yes. Do you think
3: he is physically distractingly hot, or is it his cool, icy, um br- you know, bravado? Not in a bravado. He's he's more like he's mysterious. the like the dark, dark dark. No, and thanks type. for
0: saying it, Elliot, because that's real. And yeah. that's exactly what it is. Is that it's like the actor who plays him is sort of objectively handsome, but there's a there's a broodiness and a sort of male saviorness to it that unfortunately is still a little bit hot to me. But, like, you know, we're working through, we're all in therapy. Yeah, I was, and- act- I was
2: just gonna throw out real quick. I, I always felt as someone who did not watch Mad Men. I was always like, I do not get why everyone thinks John Ham is so handsome. Oh, well, I and- was
0: never super into not yeah. if he's listening, like obviously John Hamm, <laughs> if he walked in the door right now, I'd be like, You're the hottest guy I've ever seen. But I was not like <laughs> super into John Hamm in that way because that character was not super hot to me. Because yeah. to me, I like I think I'm like whatever the like pansexual thing is, where it's like I truly am just like into the person as opposed to, you know, anything else. And so with John Hamm, I'm like, once you play a certain type of character, like that character was not hot to me. Mm, yeah, and then also yeah. like John Ham, the actor is so hot, but once I found out he was a comedy groupie, it's like, I've been doing comedy for so long. I'm like, I know who you are. It's like, there are like um, hot guys where it's like, oh my God, you would randomly totally sleep with me just because I like could make you laugh. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, you know, yeah. that's kind of cool. I met him once um, and
1: I have to say, I thought he was really hot in person. He had that whole aura going on. And as I was standing below him, because he's so insanely tall, that I looked up and he, is he tall? he's very tall and I didn't, he didn't trim his nose hairs and it just, the boner was gone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so see, that won't take it away
0: from me for a man because I really, <laughs> I kind of into the, I think it's because what I desire in men is like everything I can't be. So it's like, I like when they have chest hair and I like when they have beards and I like when they have nose hair and ear yeah. hair and all this like, stuff i have always I'm dreamed of having
2: allowed. nose hair yeah your whole life it's
0: almost like and if it comes i know i'm gonna have to get rid of it but in some world i could just sort of <laughs> let it come in you know yeah, well, in the handmade um, though, you
1: definitely let it come in you know
0: <laughs> exactly in yeah. handmaids it's like you know at the yeah with everything else going on it's like uh, at least they let me grow my leg hair Probably yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But so, yeah, so we basically did this really fun parody musical where it was like the idea of like sort of spoiled millennial girls at the brink of the handmade oppression, which was like a sort of a parody of like what is actually going on, where it's like you have abortion rights being taken and then you have sort of the privileged masses like reacting to it, which is important. It's important that the privileged masses react, but obviously the consequences on us are different. And so it was kind of like a parody on like that. And then we also got in like an Aunt Betsy DeVos character Mm -hmm. where she's like the woman who's like, because this was height of like Trump era. So, And then it was funny because um, basically we ended up, that show, it was amazing. We did it for a year in New York. And then we ended up getting these two big nights at the Kennedy Center Mm. in Washington, D.C. at the Terrace Theater. And it's like a a 450-seat theater. We sold out two shows. And it was for um, Tig Notaro did a festival called the Benson Ball. Like, I'm not saying like Tig booked me directly, but I'm saying we got booked like on her festival. And um, basically it was funny because the Kennedy Center is this huge organization and a lot of sort of like Republican philanthropist types give to the Kennedy Center because they see it as sort of a safe artistic space that they can right. sort of give to and get all these philanthropy points. But they're not like giving to the liberal arts and blah, blah, blah. Right. So they gave us two nights there. And then Betsy DeVos's, like, people basically wrote into the Kennedy Center and were like, We've heard about this Aunt Betsy DeVos character. And may we remind you that Miss DeVos is a large donor to the Kennedy Center arts and oh all that. Oh, wow. And they just wrote her back. Basically, we're not going to censor our artists. Meanwhile, me and my friend are like, you know, we're still working day jobs and we're still like these very like low level artists. And we're like, well, thankfully, the Kennedy Center told them that because yeah. otherwise yeah. we yeah. don't exactly have the legal power to stand up to yeah. Yeah. Betsy DeVos. But it was cool. It's like it's important that those spaces like stand up for like Betsy DeVos. that in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Betsy
1: DeVos really is the Ann Dowd character from Handmaid's Tale in a lot of ways. It's don't crazy. She like she really kind of embodies she is. That. Yeah. The that's
0: why we made her that we made it so oh. that she's like, finally, I've gotten it. it. was. It's a really funny part. She sings this song called I'm Betsy DeVos. And then it like basically turns out that she's like, you know, half lizard, half human. <laughs> and like, um, but it was really cool. And then it ended up that like these this like conservative group, like paid for tickets for our show <laughs> to come and flip us off in the audience oh, that's and then it? leave At least he and needs then money.
2: Leave. Did anyone yeah. even notice? <laughs>
0: it was $40 a ticket i'm like thanks for the fucking like
2: yeah 200 wow. bucks or whatever
0: so that was a really cool experience mm. and then after that we did a show called fiddler on the rooftop bar mm. which was my favorite show i've ever done because i got to play <clears throat> Tevya. dream come true <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> absolute dream come true i really feel like i nailed because i can like tradition like i could really like the role is in my soul like i have the voice down and then um it was a show about like a very kind of time sensitive localized show about whenever amazon was trying to buy property in new york Mm. and it was about basically Tevya is like the superintendent in queens and Tevya is a superintendent in the borough of anatevka (laughs) and his um tenants who are the heim heim sisters um (laughs) are going to be evicted by Jeff Bezos. And we like made like basically this whole parody plot. And it was really, really fun.
1: So
0: we can we changed tradition to directions where it's all about people asking (laughs) Native New Yorkers for directions. (laughs) And it's like, no, you order here, you pay here. And he's like pointing like both ways. It was so, so, so fun.
3: Um, Have you worked on Broadway in like the traditional theater capacity or are you more of a like a off-broad median trying to like doing your own thing off-broadway?
0: I never have worked on Broadway and that's the thing is I'm sidestepping my way in because I like did musical theater as a kid and honestly I grew up in Oklahoma and I was never really going to be talented enough to be... In that traditional musical theater way. I love my voice now, but I don't have the type of singing voice that you really need to like be in musical theater yeah. these days. And I went to I, my I didn't go to the school, but my really good friend Liz went to a year at this school called Oklahoma Christian University, and they have this big musical theater program, Texas Christian University, very similar. And you walk in and they have this thing called the Wall of Beauties. And it's all these like musical theater girls who have gone straight into the Miss America pageant. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, my God. So that's the type of musical theater. And so I kind of grew up and I had good theater teachers and and bad theater teachers. So it's not I'm not saying that I grew up with all people who were like that. But I did feel like coming up in musical theater in Oklahoma, they would kind of look at me and they'd be like, I don't know, you can play a witch, you know, like they didn't <laughs> right. really, they didn't really see like, so I went to college, my theater teacher honestly didn't really like me. And so then I started doing, cause I was ornery. I'm I'm not, I'm not even saying it's his fault. Like, they, mm-hmm. He was having us do all these like walk in the spaces exercise. And I was like, when are we going to do plays? When are, right, when are we going to read right, lines? Yeah. And he was like, I hate you. <laughs> um, so I started doing stand-up and that was really my in because I was like, I'm not waiting for these people. I don't think that I would ever succeed in an audition-based thing. I don't think that I really succeed in that way. And so I'm doing the Lin-Man well. I'm writing. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm. getting myself in as Tevya. Yeah. I put myself <laughs> and, in as and Offred. The
2: beauty is... Uh it's so it's it's rife with that potential for comedy because yeah. musical theater is so unfunny in almost every regard. <laughs> it really minus is minus a handful of exceptions. I haven't seen uh Book of Mormon, but I have heard it's like incredible. Book of Mormon's legitimately funny. Um
0: like the thing yeah, is, this fun, is that right? even corny musical theater yeah. like there's occasionally these laugh lines where it's like it just it's manipulative it hits you on the beat yeah. so perfectly where it's like i yeah. dare you to not laugh yeah i yeah. dare you to not give them the giggle that they seek
3: yeah, I um, think, yeah. Wait, I've been not, I... raving about You've uh, been
0: manipulated elliot and then afterwards you're like damn they got me
3: no i mean <laughs> i i will say i'm raving i keep raving about titanic uh which uh-huh. yeah. really does like defy the musical. I th- I liked it so much because it like completely defied all the tropes of like silly musical comedy musical theater that is usually just t- such a turnoff. I don't think I,
0: there's something I, wrong. Yes, silly I'm dying to see it. I haven't you gotten mu- to see it. You
3: must. You must. You must.
0: I must.
1: But I do want to ask you, Masha, about like well, because with that, like I'm an f- actual fan of like even the silly Broadway musicals. You know what I mean? Like I'll go back. Me too. to- too. Like, Annie and shit. And I'll just love the shit out of it. Chicago, all of them. They're like great musicals to me that I just can't get enough of. And I think in a weird way, it's like, as a musical theater sort of type person, you get the silly, you get that it's silly, but that's part of the experience is embracing the silly and not just like hating it for the silly. Don't you think?
0: Yes. I'm like, that's why I know that I love musicals is because good. It's the only thing good bad medium i truly enjoy it where it's like if a movie is like medium i'm bored if a movie is bad sometimes i like it but with musical theater like i'm really just enjoying it even if there's stuff from like oh i might have done that differently or i didn't really like that or like there's this one musical that steve martin wrote the musical music for what was it called it was like set in nashville anyways there was this like low-key anti-abortion plot line And it was like, but it was still so fascinating to me because like, there's a part that's not supposed to be funny at all where this guy literally like chucks a baby off of a train. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm laughing. And the thing is, is that that's not, but it's like, I'm entertained. Mm -hmm. Like I'm Mm -hmm. having a good time. (laughs) And that's how I, I just love about musicals. And I do wish it were more accessible because it's like, you know, now, yeah. lately, I've been playing, I mean, like, not even, like, but I can still sometimes pay for, like, the $59, like, seats, like, I'm not saying, like, I'm the person hit most by musical theater and not being accessible, like, right. you know what I'm right. saying, like, but it's just, like, it's interesting because there's so much, it's, it's, people would enjoy it more, it's something that oh I think God. people Without really would show up for if yeah. they could. Yeah, like, it's, it's
3: no. I call it television for rich people. Yeah. Yes,
0: a hundred thousand thousand percent that like and that's what it's catered to which makes it more boring because i feel like i've been in comedies that's what makes musical theater and even play comedies that i've seen recently so stiff is like you're catering to like a much older yep. like almost like west wing crowd oh. and it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like
2: <laughs> i love you know the west I mean? wing <laughs> i know
1: i love Don't the get west get wing started. too i grew up
0: watching it but i'm also like yeah. i know the jokes that my parents would be dying yeah. at that i'm sitting yeah. there stone-faced i always Saturday. think I'm always
1: like now Marsha Marsha tv go ahead
2: brent let, let me ask you uh, I heard that you got banned from Twitter. Do you want to tell us uh, and our listeners a little no, bit? No, it was that? Facebook. Oh, Facebook. It was Facebook. What happened?
0: No, it's my war with Zuckerberg, baby. <laughs> I, you know, me and Jack never had direct beef. Elon, it, the whole thing is sickening and just like, yeah. I mean, Twitter is basically done.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: but then at the same time, I have this kind of stubborn thing, the same way I did with Facebook, where I'm like, I don't want to let them make me leave, but this one, um. You know, people are saying now, too, it's like now Twitter is going to become all right wing. But it's like, I don't know. It's it's scary. But I got I got banned from um, Facebook. <laughs> Basically, Facebook came in and decided that, like, hatred exists in a vacuum. And so they were going to make equally bannable these offenses of um I did these jokes about kill all men. I posted this photo of me as a very like cherubic, like five-year-old child. And it had like a speech bubble that Mm -hmm, said mm -hmm. kill all men. And this got me like banned and removed for a bit. And I just thought that was like fascinating because I'm like, are they really acting sort of like hate speech against men is the same thing as like the crazy vitriol you see against women. Yeah. And then of course I find out that this does not just apply to women and men. They are banning like black lives matter activists Mm -hmm. for just sort of like speaking about white supremacy by calling it hatred against white people. And this is what you're still seeing very much today with like Twitter and what Elon Musk and all these people are trying to do is they try and create this sort of, society in a vacuum where yeah. white supremacy has never existed and so therefore it's equally bad to talk about white people as it is to say racist things against black people and other people of color, which of course to anybody with a brain is ridiculous, yeah. but they're going to use these type of straw man arguments and people who are centrist or even like otherwise just sort of don't want to get involved will go, well, I guess all racism is bad, and right. I guess all yeah. sexism is bad, and it got to the point where we were testing these Facebook bans, where my friend posted "men aren't funny," mm. and that got her banned oh my for God. a week. Really,
3: That's That's insane. Because you have
0: to think, t- yeah, I, and we have all the screenshots, and like it basically blew up into this big thing, and you know they were. Trying to say, well, we have to have rules that, yeah. you know, apply in other places because with race, like they would always use the example of Japan, where they would say, you know, Japanese people are an oppressed group because of racism within like America, but then also Japan during World War Two was an oppressive group. And that was always the example they went back to in terms of why you can't just blanketed allow hate speech as they called it, against white people and men. But I'm like, I don't know any place where there is actually a genocide like going on against people because they're white. Yeah. You know, I don't know yeah. that that's the world that we live in. But if you pretend like it is, then of course these things all seem equal and
1: Well, similar things blah, blah, blah. happening on like YouTube with queer content creators where like, you know, if a queer person is on there doing literally just like, a pride makeup tutorial, which is part, one of the things that happened, then their videos get demonetized or their yeah. content gets less their on shadow, the algorithm they their, band their or, shadow yeah. banned or whatever it is. And it's like the these big companies like Twitter, well, Twitter, of course, but like Google and, and Facebook, they haven't figured out how to sort of uh, monitor marginalized communities content in that uh, to understand that, like,
0: well, they don't care. They don't care care. because the thing is is that whenever that thing happened with me with Facebook, they had all these, you know, they had this one thing where Zuckerberg and all these people brought in tons of um, I think it was both drag performers and trans people who were talking about how their name policy was so harmful Mm. in terms of they like had this whole thing where you had to have a name that matches your ID and all of this stuff on Facebook and they were talking about how that's so harmful, especially if people are transitioning, or especially if you're a drag performer who does not want your real name associated yeah. with your performance name for any reason. Or even honestly, there's a lot of like domestic abuse victims that like exactly. flee. And um, they had all of these meetings. They paid, they even, I think, paid a bunch of people to fly out and stuff like that. And it's just for them to bullshit and bullshit and bullshit. And they know what they could do. And they don't course. care because that's not where their priorities are. Their priorities can, are financial. Can you, you know?
2: believe that there's a world? I mean, if you had told me when I was signing up for dumbfuckthefacebook.com, <laughs> if you had told me that there would come a day where Facebook was so, un- quote, and un- unquote, important that they required that the name of, on your account match that on your passport and that you couldn't possibly put Imagine. anything else. Yeah. I would have blo- I would have blown my brains out right then and there. Would have, <laughs> I, I, know. Would have, I would have said it's over, it's, it's done. It's so wild because like I if you scale. had known
0: that it would cause wars and genocides yeah. yeah. and election fraud and like all this stuff, but we're there. And now we're weirdly seeing the backtrack and people mm-hmm. going yeah. like, Okay, well, are they gonna have these tools and should we just leave it to them? Because that seems dangerous too. But at the same time, if we're not there to fight with, do they even want them? Yeah.
1: Well, we were just you know, having a conversation yesterday, Elliot and I, about like this idea of like, when is it our responsibility to like be a part of the conversation? And when is it our responsibility just to just be like, listen, it's not my thing. Like I'm going to post my work, my what I put out into the world. And if the comment section or YouTube or Facebook or whatever is going to have their conversation, great. Well then fuck you. I won't be on your platform or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like, It's not up to me to sort of police this and to be this sort of barometer of what it's supposed to be in the world. Because like, I don't have time for that, I'm busy.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a so, really yeah. hard line to walk. And I think yeah. it's hard for us as individuals to make, which is part of where their power comes from. Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: yeah. Well, Marsha, thank you so much for being here. That's a really insightful um, stuff that we could talk about for a
2: very Did long time. Did I rant time. too much? That's a
3: I have one. one last thing that I have
1: to ask you. It's a light question, because I feel like we should end on something a little light. <laughs> yeah, as a musical a theater person, I know, that one of the biggest musical theater people in the world comes from Oklahoma, Kristen Chenoweth. Do you, oh. do you want from to my act- hometown,
0: Tulsa? Yes. Oh wow! Do you want
1: to take her down, or do you want to join forces with her and cast her in one of your own musicals?
0: I would die to cast Kristen Chenoweth. I would never, ever, ever take her down. I do have a really funny story about how she is inadvertently probably the reason I quit musical theater, but it's only, <laughs> but it's only because like literally picture me as like a 16 year old already kind of stoner kid already kind of like being like, oh, I like musical theater, but I'm not sure.
2: Yeah.
0: My high school takes this trip to New York and Kristen Chenoweth. She's from my hometown. Yeah. She's definitely, she's not only the biggest musical theater star to come out of Oklahoma, like I'm from Tulsa. And so it's like a big deal that she's from the biggest there. star, Yeah. She's a huge star. And we've, and we all know, you know, there's all these different youth theater programs. So we all know the one that she came from and it's like, you know, big deal and stuff. So we go out um, to New York for like a high school trip and they're like, we've Kristen Chenoweth is going to come talk to you before we were seeing. She wasn't in Wicked. It was like some show she was Mm -hmm. doing like after Wicked, we were seeing her in and she comes out and talks to us. And I'm like 16 and keep in mind, like I'm already on the fence because I was like a real kind of druggy kid. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, big partier. Like that's where I kind of stepped out of musical theater for a while because you got to be real clean cut. when you're in musical theater and so i'm like the 16 year old kid who's like maybe i want to be an actor maybe i want to smoke weed and do nothing else for the rest of my life and chris and comes in and she's like talking about all the sacrifices that she's made for musical theater and she's like i don't eat dairy I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke anything. I don't eat anything after 4 p.m. I drink 10 glasses God. of water a day. And 16-year-old me, I literally was sitting in that theater and I went, I'm out. I'm <laughs> out. Yeah. I'm
2: out. Yeah. God oh bless God. everybody
0: in this industry. Uh, that's, that's a great, me personally, great story. But it didn't make me, it made me gain respect for her. And I also think she seems like a genuinely amazing person. And yeah. like, I did actually, I'm pretty sure when I did the, I did this like singer songwriter thing for the Tonight Show. And I think that she was the, was she the guest? Or there was like, there was something where somebody told me like that she had like listened to me sing or something at one mm-hmm. point. And it like really meant a lot to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm yeah. obsessed with her. And Adina Menzel, right. like, but Kristen means a lot because she's from... Yeah tulsa yeah um so literally nothing but yeah. respect and i also think that the lord sent her there that day so that i would quit musical theater so <laughs> that i would go. find my <laughs> way back around as a playwright and things it was like
2: a that well I'm thank hilarious. you so much, much Marsha. where so, can people follow so you, you on the well. internet
0: follow me at Marsha belski on twitter and tiktok and then my instagram is just slightly different it's Marsha sky but you can still find me if you type in my name and thanks for letting me rant like yeah, of I course. So that I, of course. i'm like did i let you guys talk at all no I mean, no
3: you're good sorry about yeah. that thank you but it
0: was really nice to be here thank you for having me
3: and another thing do you guys have any allergy do you have any allergies <laughs> i was thinking about like what could be the most benign question that i'd you know, I always forget. They, I think, I keep having the same ones in my head pretty often, uh-huh. Um, or like the same themes come back, and I check my Google Docs to see like.
2: <laughs> yeah. Did I ask about underwear? <laughs> have we, have, have I asked, asked about? about <laughs> yeah, you've definitely and... asked about underwear. We, I think, we've talked yeah. about underwear twice. Well, that's because oh, that's why people
1: keep talking about children's under Brent wearing children's underwear. That's that what's correct. Oh right, that is correct.
2: That is. Yeah. That is. Uh, yeah. But are you allergic to anything?
1: <clears throat>
3: As I so the it.
2: answer, the I have I have general allergies that are, are actually starting to impact me like year round intermittently. It used to be like just in the summer or like late spring, and now it's just like every two or three weeks I start sneezing a lot and I take a couple pills and it goes away. And then yeah. like a few weeks later, but I've never had anything like crazy allergic reaction like peanut allergies or garlic allergy whatever the fuck like the new ones are um no what about you alan
1: i yeah i i kind of have the opposite of you know instead of like seasonal i mean i get seasonal allergies where i'm stuffed up and stuff like the normal (laughs) stuff but nothing too bad um my thing is i have like really sensitive um like allergic reactions to stuff. So like I, when I was younger. I was I hives a lot. I get hives a lot. This is it. Well, I didn't for a long time and now they've come back and it's like, so I deal with that because my histamine levels are all fucked up. And then chemo yeah. so before chemo, I never ate nuts because I would have these allergic reactions where like my throat would close up and stuff. And then oh. chemo came in, it completely wiped me away from that allergy. So not great. Nuts. But now my histamine levels are all like insane. And I kind of, I, I sometimes joke that like, one of the first signs that I probably was that I should be a Jew is that I have these severe (laughs) allergies and like skin reactions and sensitive skin and like all of these things that like, for example, what's happening with now with when I wear wigs for for, to do Sadie, I, 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 because I have to like tape my face and stuff, which has never been a problem for me. And now some I'm having some kind of reaction and I had a reaction where like I had this rash on my hairline and it made me lose part of my hair, which is now- I remember that.
2: By the, but, by the way, I just want to throw this out. You just used a word that I swear to you I've always thought is like fake. Wow. What the fuck are histamines? I think- Oh, I'm so convinced. you have histamine levels
1: in your body. This is this is how much of an allergy problem I have. You have histamine levels in your body that work to protect against um outside forces, basically. So like when mm. something comes in, this is how an allergy works. When something hits your body, like a- gust of wind or dust or whatever it is uh-huh. and your body's like oh no we have to protect them we have to protect ourselves and so they go into overdrive mm. and which is then causes the hives or the other problems that the you have itching.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah. and that's what the that's what histamine levels in your body are mine are like all over the place and in fact tomorrow before we have our holiday white elephant dinner that's an extra tradition now which i love very very much i'm going to my allergist
2: Oh, that. you better quit bragging. My
1: hives. So yes, I do definitely have
2: allergies. You better quit bragging. Yeah, well, I always yeah. I always put hist Elliot. Sorry, we'll get to you in a second. I always yeah. put histamines in the same category as Retson. Remember like when certs yeah. would advertise yeah. now with oh Retson and you were like, the fuck is Retson? Like, who knows what that means? And this is yeah. pre-internet. So you couldn't Google anything. <laughs> I know they're like a different category of thing, but I was like, I think those are just made up words that they're like. <laughs> Bobby Collins. Uh, yeah, search. right. Bobby Collins on search. Commercial. Ellie, what are you allergic to? Uh, I'm allergic to cats.
3: Uh
2: But not my old... cat.
3: No, I take a Zyrtec around, around yep. Frazier, but I don't really I usually don't get too allergic around him, even if I don't take a Zyrtec. This
2: bitch got Zyrtec money. Yeah. <laughs> she do. Just pop him.
3: I'm allergic to Zyrtec. I get you're allergic I get... to Zyrtec. No, you're I mean, allergic sorry, to allergic to cats. Um, and I get like heat r- rashes very easily, uh-huh. um, heat rash, but especially from like certain fabrics, uh, wow. polyester. I just, it's the worst. And like any jacket with like vinyl or, or is it vinyl? N- nylon. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I just I immediately get full on like neck rash.
2: Polyester's in a lot of shit though, isn't it? No. Yeah, yeah. And I
3: try not to wear it. I didn't even know wow. about the term, the term, there's a term, um, micro uh uh, something fabrics oh man i'm forgetting it's like fabrics that breathe there's a term for them i'm forgetting it anyway i've learned that like that is something that i basically need is to wear like certain fabrics that that breathe yeah that's what what i'm saying
1: about my hives is that she because they're trying to figure out the cause of them and she was like it might just be your body's chemistry and how it works with heat and if you if you get overheated or if your body heats up then you get hives to protect it like it could just be that, which makes sense, because I love being cool.
2: Yeah, no, it it, it it's true. <laughs> it's true. There are certain fabrics that like don't you know cause those reactions. That's why Elliot famously wears velveteen underwear. <laughs> he calls them panties. Um, you know, when he gets when he gets home, he puts on he has a plush. He he puts on a plush three thousand dollar robe. I mean, this is just <laughs> sort of how he you know eases into the evening. Velveteen. <laughs>
0: it's
2: like velvet yeah uh, like, that sounds yeah. fun that
3: sounds comfortable
2: remember the velveteen rabbit remember that that's it's like hot. Another
1: yeah. that's the problem it's hot like vel- yeah, like, yeah. Well, <laughs> <tough>. I can't <laughs> like I, I wore the the white outfit I was wearing at the show the other night was it was a velvet type fabric that the yeah. oh I was wet. I
3: love yes yeah, yeah. So I love like Muppet clo- I call them like Muppet clothes but like soft fuzzy Muppet clothes um, yeah. or um, uh uh uh, uh anything just I just it needs to be cozy but like the worst possible fabric in the world is so co- is so popular in like most stores what? It, it's what? like that kind of what? sweatshirt or like hoodie fabric uh that like mostly that like almost all of H&M has where uh-huh. it's like it's it's co- I it must be cotton but it's like so hot uh-huh. Oh, I think I know what you're talking
1: about. Because when what I buy that? When Who I buys hoodies, that, I can't. We're always, whenever I'm looking at hoodies, I go through. And so often it's like sweatshirt type material. And I can't wear that because it's just too hot. So I need right. that, like, like cotton dense or t-shirt type material for a sweatshirt. Yes. But it's
3: thicker, but it's it's mm. like woven cotton. I of- do not understand wh- how those cottons or yeah. whatever that that fabric is is so popular because yeah. it's so i feel like it's so hot yeah. um but my if if i could have my way like everything i would wear would be made of terry cloth cuz that's oh yeah that's heaven
1: yeah terry cloth is
2: heaven <laughs> you would choose where bath towels around all day i, w- oh, I love terry that's cloth. what most of
1: my hoodies are made out of like a terry yeah. cloth type material because i just can't mm-hmm. take it any and i love it too when i go on my little walks up at the hollywood reservoir i oh. put my nice little hoodie it's like a terry cloth type hoodie and i just like walking around but now i'm sad because i won't run into ps22 because they put- oh that
2: that line that no one else knows about that was killed yeah
1: it uh, was a big deal in L.A. here. He well, was there, a celebrity in L.A.
2: There he we was. go. Maybe maybe next Hanukkah, I know what to get Elliot. <laughs> Terry Cloth panties. <laughs> you imagine. <laughs> what uh, would
3: what your, what your aunt, aunt say? say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's episode?
2: Someone tell your guest that John Ham is not listening to this podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say. I'm sure I could find a hillel for Masha in in Oklahoma. There's got to be at least one. How about Aunt Anne?
1: My Aunt Anne would say, "I wish I had uh, allergies to something. Probably my life would be better if I was allergic to cupcakes." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's
2: true. Good Lord, all of ours, right? That's it. Um, well, happy holidays to our mm-hmm.
3: listeners. This is our last episode of the year. Oh uh, wow! Bing, bing bing bing. 2022. A- Goodbye. <laughs> Have a lovely Christmas, a happy New Year, and we'll see you in twenty twenty three. And a happy Hanukkah, Elliot. A happy Hanukkah.
2: That too. Yeah. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, and happy Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Alan. (laughs) You jerk. (laughs) Oh no! Oh God, Elliot's fuming. He's fuming.